the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to the Mission Life Podcast. Today we are at the NRB event in Nashville, Tennessee, and we have an opportunity to sit down with pastor and author Eric Eichinger. He's recently released a book, Lord of Legends, Jesus' Redemption Quest. Eric, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Very excited to be here. Wow. So you're an author, you're, you're a pastor, you're involved in various aspects of ministry, but you haven't always been in ministry. And uh, you have a, a pretty neat story. Can you tell us, take us back to how God called you into ministry and into book writing? So, so everybody knows the story of Jonah. I, I think that's one of the more, if you don't know the Bible very well, you know, Jonah's one of those stories where he's running away from God and what he's calling him to do. And so I, I was always involved with church growing up. My mother was the organist at our church. And I was involved with youth groups and mission trips. And so I, I loved that time in my life growing up. So it was very foundational. And the, the, the whispers of, you should become a pastor, started coming. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, just to be shackled to a pulpit the rest of my life, week in and week out, every weekend type of a thing, you know. But I liked the missionary aspect. And mm. so uh, when I was uh, younger, about seven or eight, I watched Chariots of Fire for the first time. My folks had... Um, gotten HBO for the first time and it was free for uh, we got cable and so HBO was free for the summer and Chariots of Fire was just playing over and over that was that mm. first year and so just as a kid it was like oh it's on again it's on again and just the music and the running it's a, it's such an iconic uh, film that won about I don't know 500 Academy Awards that year yeah. <laughs> whatever <laughs> so it won a lot <laughs> and that uh, that really inspired me on a couple of levels uh, the first level was running and so I, that was one of the few things I wasn't super popular uh, but I was I was good at running and so I ended up becoming one of the fastest kids in uh, my school and in the then in the city and then I walked on to Michigan State uh, University's track team and I eventually earned a scholarship there and so wow. best competitive in the Big Ten traveling around uh, all throughout the country racing I got to compete against some Olympians and such so that was a lot of fun but I didn't get to the Olympics so I got to, I got to view it one time but uh, anyways so Eric Little of course you know he goes to the Olympics he wins the gold medal in dramatic fashion but then he becomes a missionary in China. So the end of world, uh, the end of the movie. There's that little hashtag. You you fall in love with this character of Eric Little, and then it says, Eric Little dies at the end of World War II in occupied China. All of Scotland mourned, and I. It's yeah. just a haunting thing. Oh, like I, I wanted to know that you know, it's World War II, and he met his wife and started a family, and. Uh, just the the missionary aspect, and so um, so I was a youth worker in New York for a couple of years, but uh, I I still wanted to to go overseas and to and to try that lifestyle and uh, as the missionary. So I was in China for two years, and that wasn't by design. I actually wasn't looking to go to China. I originally wanted to go to uh, to Germany. Uh, I was single at the time, and I and I had a whole bunch of great reasons that, as I looked back on that, were very selfish reasons. I I was single, so I thought, well, I've got better odds to to meet a wife in Germany doing ministry over there, and I could travel Europe, and I could learn the German language. So all of these very selfish reasons, my family could come and visit me, et cetera, et cetera. And then, um, but Germany wasn't available, and then and the mission board was kept putting China in front of me, and I I was a little recalcitrant to the idea, but but the Holy Spirit kept working on my heart, and and then I started to realize. 
I can have a greater impact for God's kingdom in China doing that. And so I slowly had this tipping point and, and uh, a growing desire to start to go to China. And uh, then at the last minute, an opportunity in Germany came up. And I was like, oh! Oh, no. <laughs> and, so, and I have used this uh, for a lot of different calls uh, that I have had to make in my, in my life where um, the selfless path usually is the path that has the most peace because um, so a selfish decision versus the selfless decision and I realized the Germany God could use that but I had my own reasons and agenda uh, but the selfless route was was through China and so I just trusted the Holy Spirit and ventured out and the first year was brutal God broke me down he took away everything you know, your favorite sports, your favorite foods, your friends, your family. I had a girlfriend uh, and, you know, distance relationship. And then all, all of those things he stripped away and just he breaks you down. But then I started to realize I, I was literally as far away from my hometown, Kalamazoo, Michigan, Nanshang, China, on the globe, as far away polarized as you could b about get. And God slowly started bringing things back, new favorite foods and new friends and, and new family uh, type of relationships that I met. And I, I met... Um, a lovely lady by the name of Kara, and uh, she became my wife, and she was working with me over there. And so we've got our family. So uh, just a, a lot of uh, exciting ex exciting things of how God uh, built me back up. And at the time, I, I was still kind of trusting God and enjoying the missionary life, but I, I wasn't sure about being a pastor. But then uh, it was in kind of that broken moment that at the halfway through that first year where I realized God was bringing all of these things back into my life, and I— and I thought, well, I've, I can go as far away on the planet as possible, and God is still going to take care of me. So I can be a pastor wherever you're going to send me. Because in the Lutheran Church, I, I get called out of the seminary. It's, you don't always get an uh, opportunity to choose and pick a candidate where you want to go. You kind of you, you get assigned. And so, um, so it's just a, a very vulnerable, trusting process. But I was mm -hmm. like, okay. I'm as far away from my hometown as possible. He's taking care of me. I can I can do this wherever that wherever that is. Then I, I took a little pilgrimage while I was in China because I had remembered that my hero from Chariots of Fire, Eric Little, died over there, and so I got to go up to uh, the uh, Weifang in the Shangdi pro uh, Shandong province, and and uh, I found uh, where his uh, his grave is uh, generally in the vicinity. But there's a monument there in this old school, and this. This quest uh, to find that was a real uh, watershed moment in my life. And so I came back and I was telling some of my friends and they're like, you, th this, this story isn't done. You need to do something with this. And so, uh, mm. so I uh, had uh, decided I was going to go to seminary and that I had a lot of peace about that and comfort. So my two years in China finished. I went back to St. Louis and to uh, the Concordia Seminary and I started studying. So I was a theater major in college. Then I'm studying theology I, and I was running at a high level. I had missionary experience, uh, was getting engaged and, and getting married. And so they always say to write what you know. And so at that, that point I realized my life had really paralleled Eric Little's uh, with, with running and faith and, and specific missionary in China and even having a um, uh, meeting my wife over there. And he had three kids and I had three kids you know oh. <laughs> and so mm. and all of those things started to uh, to shape up so taking my my theatrical interests as well as my um, my theology interests I, I originally wrote a screenplay uh, trying to make a sort of a chariots of fire sequel type of a type of a story and the more I talked about 
uh, Chariots of Fire with people, the more they were interested in hearing what my story was and how his life, Eric Little's, influenced mine. And so that's sort of what, what's become more of the, of the story. And, and through all, all, a lot of that conversation and, and some of my Hollywood contacts, I was able to, um, to get my first publishing opportunity, and that was with Tyndale House. And so I wrote a biography about Eric Little, and uh, that is called The Final Race. And it is the, uh, the incredible World War II story of, of Eric Little and this uh, missionary uh, during those years. So, so that came out about uh, three or four years ago. And now I've got my new book, uh, Lord of Legends, that just launched this month. So, Wow. wow. Amazing. What stood out to me there, there, there's so much there, but kind of that idea of selfish versus selfless. Mm-hmm. And how that's such a good way of vetting opportunities in our lives you know and and, you know that selfless that selfless choice is often the one that will make the biggest biggest difference so and the other thing is that idea that of we see it in scripture of of god really taking people in in the bible and he takes away different things or they go through circumstances and their hearts change and what they thought they wanted they are now reoriented towards something different. And so I love how God did that in your, in your life of, you know, you didn't want to do ministry and then you did something else and God brought you back to, to what really was kind of spoken over your life all along. And, and he's really used you in so many different ways. So amazing. So now you've written this new book, Lord of Legends. It's just come out. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I'm really excited about this one, too. So, again, we'll flash back to when I was growing up as a kid. I, I loved comic books, and so a lot of young you know, guys mm. do. And then uh, the movies at the time you know, were few and far between, and they, they weren't very good. But in recent years, it's, it's mind-boggling to me how, how popular the superhero movies oh, have yeah. become yeah. in the Marvel MCU and stuff. But when I, again, started kind of taking some of my theology studies with some of my passion and interest with comics and heroes and the epics uh, and uh, studying, you know, the ancients as well, Achilles and the, the Trojan War and, and all of those uh, types of gods and goddesses and, and, uh, and heroes, um, it was fun to see how this, uh, the hero's journey has uh, become such a formulaic pattern of, story, of, of telling stories of heroes. Mm-hmm. And so George Lucas really, really kind of uh, unpacked this, I think, for our generation with uh, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. And so this uh, particular sequence, uh, uh, a hero will uh, have an, its origin story, and then there will be a call to adventure, the refusal of the call, and then the crossing the threshold into this new realm of, of the adventure beginning. There's a meeting of the mentor figure, and some talisman object is given and that will aid them, and then there's allies and enemies, uh, some huge adversary the, facing the, the biggest fears in the dark cave, and the seizing of the sword triumph moment, and the ultimate boon, and, and then returning home and, and crossing over a, a changed hero with this uh, prize retrieved, you know. And so, and I realize this story is getting told over and over again and people are so hungry for it because either they recognize Christ and the need for being redeemed or, or they don't, but there's this inner innate yearning for 
uh, for help and being saved. And we, we, you know, we face death and, and the grave without God and Christ Jesus. And so, um, so being able to connect the dots uh, was a really fun thing. So, um, so Lord of Legends, each chapter is one of those sequences of the hero's journey. And I'll, I'll use an example mm-hmm. like Spider-Man in one chapter and then Batman in the next, or maybe it'll be Odysseus from the Trojan War in another, or Lucy from Narnia. The Karate Kid may make a, an appearance. And so just pulling from a lot of different uh, uh stories that that people love in the last generation and and then connecting that to how christ does that in the scriptures and and i think it's a a great opportunity for kids that aren't interested in going to church or whatnot but they love the hero movies and and such and so to to give this to them and draw them in through the secular into the sacred realm that is christ's glory story so amen before we go, before we go too much further, we do need to kind of settle this. <laughs> Is it Superman versus Batman? Who wins? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's always mind-boggling. I know. How can Superman lose? But of course, he's got the kryptonite, and and I love I love Batman. Doesn't have a superpower other than he's rich, right? <laughs> but then what? He acquires kryptonite bullets or a kryptonite spear, and so that's how he apparently takes down Superman. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I still I gotta go with Superman on that one. Oh no, I don't know if we can continue. Like Batman totally would win. Batman. <laughs> totally went Eric. Oh, man. How do we do this? All right. But uh, so bringing you back to more of a spiritual uh, a spiritual thing. <laughs> Boy. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. You know, did, did some of this, how did God begin to reveal some of this? And like when you were watching these, like what, were, what was that sort of moment where you were like, wow, like I see Jesus' story and, and, um, in each of these, there's different fragments. I think you kind of even almost call it kind of like different pieces of the cross and in, in, in each of their stories. Tell us how that began to illuminate in your mind. So as a young boy, I, I remember what I'm 47 now. I remember seeing Star Wars in the theater when it first came out in 1977. So I'm three and my dad took me. And so I somehow have some memory of this, <laughs> you know. Wow. But I mean, it's, you know, there weren't a lot of like kid movies then, you know, so that was kind of a kid movie. And so, but man, what what would that do to a three-year-old in the movie theater with your, with your dad? So, so you know, falling in love with the Star Wars trilogy. And then as I would get older, I'd hear like my parents or other people talking about like the spiritual implications in that where you look at Luke Skywalker in the Return of the Jedi. It's he's almost wearing a clerical because he's all in black. And then he even has this little slit over his over his voice box where it almost looks like he has a clerical on with mm. like the shadow wow. play. And then you have the dark father character and uh, with Darth Vader, obviously. But it's just good versus evil, light over darkness. And, and we there's this yearning for that. So just kind of thinking, okay, yeah, maybe there are some spiritual connections there. That's kind of interesting. But then as I got older and, and, and studying more at, at reading characters, it, there's always this this mysterious chosen one figure that's going to come and save the world. Mm-hmm. And they're this uh, exclusive, unique figure that's going to do it. And then they will have some type of death and some type of resurrection and then return. And it and it's just this con- constant story over and over again. And it's like, where have we heard this before? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. And so, and again, as I go deeper into, into seminary uh, theology study, uh, and, and just then I started really uh, getting into the hero's journey. And, and it's, it's hilarious because Joseph Campbell is, uh, is atheist and just would, you know, call 
calls you know Christianity a uh, a clown act. I think is his quote actually, wow. which is really sad. But he would look at all of these other uh, characters and heroes and and really exalt them up. But uh, th- then there's a, a lot of uh, conversation with. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings uh, books with uh, with C.S. Lewis, and so Tolkien's the Christian and C.S. Lewis is the atheist at the time. But but uh, Tolkien reaching out to Lewis with this whole true myth concept, you know, uh, where our myths from the past, I, I make a uh, I think a compelling argument in the book. So Jesus is two thousand years ago, but of course Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, is all the way back to the beginning of time. So people will say, well, how can these ancient hero myths, um, th- that's before Jesus, you know, so, so Jesus is stealing from the Greco-Roman world with, with these heroes, but I make the argument from the Tower of Babel, this united language, you had people that knew the promised seed of Christ uh, at the beginning, uh, the Proto-Evangelion in Genesis 3, the first gospel, the first event, is when God is saying to the serpent, he will crush your head, but you will strike his heel. So there's this first coming of the chosen one is already back in Genesis, and you have God and sin and and mankind and how are they going to reconcile this this promised one is going to come you have the flood with noah all of this predates the tower of babel so then the languages get split and they go in different directions and you have people that don't understand the faith but they know glimpses of some of those stories and so as they sit around the fire and have meals and and come up with their own stories they're pulling from from these and that's that's kind of where it's it's not too hard to see where some of these characters uh, come from when you when you look at Genesis, uh, you know the Pentateuch as the um, the original source material. So, <coughs> wow, I love how you made that so made that so clear. And you know you can take that even beyond just comic books, right? You can mm-hmm. take you can look at the different you know cultures of the world. And Native Americans tell stories of you know this, and in South America, other you know tribes tell this story, or Africa, you know you, they're all telling the same story. It's not just in comic books, but it, you know it's it's beyond that as it well. Is. It's just in, and uh, so I love how you you made that so clear. I'd never really thought about that before. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. You also made a reference earlier to uh, Lucy from Narnia. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, like how where do you do you see her character, and how do you see some uh, some of that relationship, Christ's relationship with, yeah, with her? Yeah, uh, Chronicles of Narnia are, are huge. So uh, so every chapter is one of those sequences of the hero's journey. And so where I bring Lucy in, and I, I love this, um, th- it's the crossing of the threshold is the, is the episode of the hero's journey. So that's when Luke Skywalker first boards the Millennium Falcon, and they fly off, and the adventure begins. It's when Harry Potter crosses through Platform 9 and 3 quarters, and he's into the wizarding world. Okay. Sure. So mm. for Narnia, when Lucy is playing hide-and-seek, and she pushes through the wardrobe mm. and accidentally steps out into this frigid, always-winter-never-Christmas world of Narnia, the adventure begins. And so then I tie that in with Christ. And so when does... When does the Word become flesh? When does God in Christ leave the heavenly realms, is sent by his Father and into the world, uh, and the stakes are high with, with the sin of mankind? And that is the Annunciation, when Gabriel uh, 
proclaims to Mary, you will have a son and his name will be Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. So um, so everybody thinks, oh, Christmas, that's when he's here. But it's like, no, we're pro-life. You know, life is in the, <laughs> in the womb of conception. And so, uh, so at conception, the Annunciation, that's when the word becomes flesh and the adventure begins. The redemptive mm-hmm. work begins. So. Yeah, that's such a good reminder that, you know, Jesus was there at the beginning, you know, and just how everything stems from that. You know, you mentioned how the part in Genesis where it talks about, you know, he will crush the serpent's head and all these things that come out of that. And I love the analogy of Lucy, you know, stepping into Narnia. I think all of us as kids hearing that story secretly wished that that would happen to us <laughs> we could just oh, step right through the exactly. coats and say whoa there's the lamppost there's right. you know all this cool stuff and so it's just such a neat analogy amanda you are touching on a huge point that i like to make and that i'm glad you did because everybody watches all of these hero stories and then we get to the end of the netflix series or the end of the trilogy or the end of the book and it's like Oh, you want you don't want it to end. You want it to keep going, or yeah. or you want to enter into and participate in that world in sort of a fun fantasy, you know, fantasy mm-hmm. type of idea. And with Christ's glory story, that's exactly what he does. He invites us in, literally, to mm. participate and to be redeemed by him. And it is the life that has no end, and so it is eternal life. And so, uh, so literally we get to be brought right into the page or right into the screen or right into the life of Christ and his church. And so mm. um, so I think it's uniquely different than all the other splinters broken off of the cross of Christ crucified stories of heroes. He yeah. is the one true superhero underneath everything uh, where they all draw from. And so, uh, so excellent. I'm glad you That is that. so good that we, God invites us to walk into that, you know, through his son, through Holy Spirit. It's just... That is such a good picture. I mm-hmm. love that. It's just that living with Jesus, that's the exciting, adventurous way to live. It is the only way to live. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That without him, there really isn't life at all. Exactly. And and we see in our in our secular world, uh, good versus evil, light and darkness. And so there is uh, spiritual demonic forces yes. at work. But, but God is real. The devil is real. Angels are real. The demons are real and so we get to be brought into that as christ works through us and so uh Mm. it's just for people to start reading and understanding that yeah this is real yeah it's actually real and so it's not fantasy yeah yeah you get brought into the story well so what i'm hearing him say is there are lightsabers in heaven (laughs) (laughs) there are utility belts in heaven (laughs) that can do all these fantasy things that's, that's what you're saying, right? So that's at the end of the, your book, right? So Lord, actually, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it on its head a little bit, all right? So in our, in our sinful state, we want to be the hero, right? Mm. We want to be the hero. No, so we get to be brought into his world, but he's the hero. But in our sinful state, we, we want to have that. And so uh, pride comes in. And, and all of temptation is really when, when the serpent is reaching out to Eve— He's offering her, you can be like God. You can know what he knows. And so all temptation is like, oh, if I do this, I can ascend and rise and, and be more powerful uh, if it's a lightsaber or a utility <laughs> value, you know, and so, and it plays to our sinful ego of pride yeah. and, and everything, you know, as, and as kids, we grow up and we dress up in costumes and all this kind of fun stuff. But, um, 
But yeah, and so so Tolkien flips this whole thing on its head because all these other epic heroes are, are these awesome, strong, you know, men or women or all these amazing powers and stuff. But but Frodo, Bilbo, they're the constant like tiny, short, weak, bumbling fool, don't know anything, you know, <laughs> and they are constantly being saved by Gandalf, the Christ figure, That's all right. through that. And so mm-hmm. so really it's more yeah. We'll we'll have to fancy ourselves more like uh, more like Frodo and Bilbo and the Hobbits than like Batman and Robin, but yeah, uh. but but yes, I know. <laughs> but we get to be brought into it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe a small lightsaber <laughs> still. I, 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 I I'm cool with lightsabers, so that'd be good. <laughs> I love that part though. That you know, th- it is true. We you know we as humans we want to be the hero per se, and yet we're not the hero. But we get to be part of the hero's journey. We get to be, you know, we yeah. get to go with him and be part of that, and be and and that's the amazing thing about Christ. He does it all, right? He yeah. did it all by grace, you know. But it's but ultimately he left the responsibility for us to go and share that good news with other people. He brings us in and gives us place and gives us purpose exactly. in that this great story, this great narrative that he's created. Yeah. So we might not get to participate into the fellowship of the ring, but we do get to participate in the fellowship of the king. So Yeah. <laughs> he carried the r- he get to get to carry the ring a little bit, right? He carried <laughs> <laughs> But it was too much for him, wasn't it? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Ultimately, that wasn't his purpose, and and you know, and um, but you know, it's it. This is such a a powerful truth Mm -hmm. that you know, beneath like to to Amanda's point, like we all wanted to be that person. We want to be involved in that story. We want to Mm -hmm. to do that, and like God has put that inside of us. He's put that track, like that homing system, like like he's he put that in us that we are part of his story. Like he cares about us. We're valued. And he's inviting us into the into this this amazing love story, mm-hmm. um, this amazing journey, and this amazing if if we'll let him, and if we'll if we'll ultimately surrender our will, yeah, to his will, right? Right, exactly, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And that's and that's the thing is we, you know, we want to be the the strong, powerful, you know, whatever. But then, um, but it's like no, he's in control. He's in control of everything. And so yeah, you know, so echoing back to you know my ministry path. It's like, yeah, you, you just, you know, the selfless path as opposed to what I want to do. Mm. And it's like, well, be careful when you, <laughs> what, you, what you ask for. You just might get it, you know. So, yeah, mm. exactly. So, I know we've, we've covered a lot here. If there's kind of one important point that you want the reader to connect with when they read Lord of Legends, what is it? I think that sometimes pe- people will say, or their children or grandchildren that church is boring and I don't want to go to church. Or if they go, maybe they will go to just the Christmas once a year or Easter once a year, these types of things. And to get them to understand that every time they go to church, if, it, if the church is following a, a calendar year, the church calendar year, um, those are just two episodes and they're missing the whole series. They're missing the whole story arc of everything that Christ does. And so, um, you know, as, as a Lutheran, we follow the liturgical uh, calendar with the pericope readings in Scripture. So, you know, you've got Advent. And, you know, and, and people will know cri- Christmas hymns, but it's like there's Advent hymns, and mm-hmm. there's Lenten hymns, and there's Easter hymns, and, and there's Pentecost carols, and Epiphany, and all these types of things, you know. And so all of these sequences are just wonderful 
ways of, of getting people to recognize what Christ has done, is doing, and promises to do. Amen. And it is actually exciting what, you know, God's Word is alive in, in the worship service. He is serving us with His Word. And so uh, to recognize how valuable it is, we get to participate with the fellowship of the King in worship, in service. And He empowers and equips us to go out into this world. And that's where we get to use our spiritual lightsabers. But uh, the sword is his word, though. Yes. <laughs> I'm liking where you're going with this. I'm liking where you're going with this. Awesome. Wow. So, so important, especially in a culture that is vying for the attention um, mm-hmm. of all of us, really. Like everything is so, you know, this this new app, this everything is just so new and exciting. And yet some people and children don't want to read that book that's just it's it's it looks it's not moving it's not like illuminated right and um and yet it within its covers are the most it is the biggest adventure of a lifetime exactly yeah the story mm-hmm. that has no end yes correct yeah. wow amazing where can people uh, connect with you and where can people get a hold of this book? So uh, I have my website. It's my first and last name, ericikinger.com. And so E R I C E I C H I N G E R, ericikinger.com. And uh, it's uh, the publishing company is Concordia Publishing House. So if you look at cph.org, they'd probably appreciate that. But you can get it available uh, where all books are sold. So awesome. awesome. What an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being so faithful with what God has put into you. And thank you for just bringing new and fresh wind to the amazing story that is Jesus Christ story. Thank you for, for revealing that through modern comics and, and stories. Thank you for re, uh, re, re-illuminating that for us. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys and value your ministry because it's so important. Uh, it's so hard to get God's word out in all of these different uh, venues and avenues and, and such. And so, uh, so I thank you for the opportunity. Listeners, pick up this book. Looks amazing. Amen. Amen.